Hello and welcome into another episode of the fastest growing conservative podcast in South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters Podcast, where we're talking about the issues that you need to know about, what the Bible says, and what you can do about them. We've hosted senators and congressmen. We've hosted state representatives, lieutenant governor, attorney general. We've hosted pastors, and today our guest is a pastor. He's not just any pastor. He's my pastor, and I have the honor to call him my pastor, Pastor Eric Eastup at Village Church in Blythewood. Pastor, thank you for joining us today. Well, Mitch, thanks for uh, having the guts to have me on. I appreciate it. Hey, I'm so grateful for what you're doing. And uh, as a pastor, I look at pastors. uh, I was a pastor's son, and we share that in common. And one of the things that my dad taught me growing up was that pastors and missionaries and those people that were, you know, leaders in the church were to be my heroes. Mm -hmm. And when I look at pastors like you, and uh, this sounds so uh, brown nose-ish, I guess, if that's the right term. And uh, we can cut that out later if you want, Justin. Uh, but I look at you and others like you as my heroes still. And the opportunity to just to have a conversation with you is just incredible. And the wisdom that you carry um, from the pulpit and in the pews and conversations with people is just absolutely incredible. Well, I don't know uh, if you're going to find much wisdom here, Mitch, but one thing that I've always uh, been encouraged by uh, with you is you are an encourager. And uh, that is not many people are. And so I'm, I'm, we are very appreciative. Our whole staff's very appreciative of you. You always have something. Uh, and this may surprise the people who listen to you, uh, but you always have something positive to say. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> uh, I, some people can find the dark cloud on every, every silver lining. Right. Uh, I, I try to find that silver lining when possible. And in today's topic, what we're going to talk about, many people look at is being kind of dark. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the reality is, is that the days are dark and we're going to talk a little bit about persecution today. Before we jump into that, um, what y'all are doing at village through the C4 ministry is incredible. In fact, I've talked with several people at our church about what they're doing, uh, boots on the ground in the community on campus with civic engagement and we're trying to at Palmetto Family. We're trying to put some of that in a box, quote unquote, in a mm-hmm. box, so we can share that with other churches. And we're seeing some of that replicated. Y'all aren't the only ones doing right. it, but you're doing it well. Tell tell the listeners a little bit more about C four. Yeah, you know, it was uh, it was kind of born out of you know how do we how are we effective? And we we recognize that we're doing a lot of uh, there's the people in the church or just in any church really they're just great people, and we're doing a lot of good things. But it was sort of dispersed, and we wanted to kind of bring everything into a focus so that people said, what exactly is it that your church does that succinctly we could say these are the things that we can do? And we just felt like it made it easier for people to engage. Mm -hmm. And so we just have four areas. So our church, everything that we do falls under one of the four C's. Uh, So we have campus ministry. uh, We have our our care ministry. We have civic ministry. And, well, there's one more. What am I missing? Uh, Campus, Campus care, care, civics, and and community. community. Yeah. Holy cow. Community. Yes. Obviously, I don't care anything about the community. (laughs) So we do those those four things. So whenever people come to serve in the church, we ask people, if you're going to be a part of the church, we want you to find one of the C's uh, to serve in. And so all of our, anything in the church that happens outside of, uh, if if people want to do things that are outside of C4, we we just don't do it. Um, Mm -hmm. Now you can do it. It's just, but we're going to put all of our efforts in those areas. Well, what I appreciate about that and what you just said is a lot of people, well, you know, if it's a good idea, let's do it. The, The problem is a lot of time we see mission creep or mission drift and if you've got a clearly defined mission if it fits within these four c's we're going to do it yeah if it doesn't 
we're just not going to do it. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. You know, a lot of churches, uh, they they like the feather on Forrest Gump. They just kind of float listlessly about maybe they'll land, maybe they won't. And then sometimes they wonder, why in the world aren't we getting anything done? Mm-hmm. Well, it might be mission creep, mission drift, or maybe it's no mission at all. And so I appreciate the idea of let's focus on this, let's do this, and let's do it really, really well. Mm-hmm. And y'all are. You're doing it very well. And I'm, once again, just so grateful to call Village Church home. Today, we're going to talk about a message that you preached this past Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those of you listening right now, if you want the full message, you can go to um, – YouTube, you can go to Facebook, you can pick it up there, the full message in its entirety. You can go to BlytheWoodVillage.com, the web address, BlytheWoodVillage.com, to watch it there in the archive sermons. Um, and I'll give you all that information again at the end. But the the message that you preached this past Sunday, I literally emailed you in the middle of the message and said, our listeners on the podcast have to hear this because it's something that I think is so extremely important because a lot of what we're hearing in the culture, even from the pulpit right now is fake it till you make it. Everything's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. God's got a plan and it is to prosper you. And God does have a plan. And one of the quotes, which we'll get to here in just a minute that I picked up from the message, just knock my socks off. Uh, In fact, I'll go ahead and give it now. God's plans prevail regardless of what the world looks like. That's huge, but that's not what everybody's preaching. And a lot of people are hearing, hey, it's going to be okay. And ultimately, as we'll talk about, it is going to be okay, but the days are dark and persecution is coming. Let me make sure this thing's on. Persecution is coming. We'll talk about what that looks like, but I think it's important for us to understand that you know, it's not all sunshine and roses. And once again, I don't want to run to the darkness and say, let's cower, let's hide. No, in fact, as I've said over and over again, we've got to charge the darkness with the light of Jesus Christ. It's the only way that people will ever see the light of him is is in us and us carrying it to them. So let's jump right in. The church persevering through persecution. You've been in Acts in a battle-ready series, and this message just fit in perfectly with that theme of being battle-ready. What does it mean to be battle-ready? Yeah, I think for uh, for the most part, I think you need to be aware of the you know, of the environment that you're living in. And then as, if you're aware of the environment you're living in, then you need to be prepared knowing what the environment is and how to live out your faith. And I, I, and I just, man, I, and this is for me too. I, for so long, I have been insulated from from the darkness, I because yeah. I don't want to engage in it. I don't want to see it. I want to avoid it as much as possible. But you know, it's in our face now, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I, so I think I've made a mistake in the past. But I've become very aware of the fact that if you're gonna, if you're really gonna live for Jesus, it will cost you. Yeah. And um, and I felt like it's my responsibility. I'm not. I'm not the bravest guy. I'm none of that stuff. But I feel as a pastor, it's my responsibility to tell the people we need to be prepared. And uh, now. Whether we get prepared or not, that's up to you. But I think my job is to just get the message out. These are, these are some things that are coming our way. And the question is, are we ready for it? Matter of fact, I just uh, read an article. I don't, you remember, I don't know if you remember Andrew Brunson. Uh, he was the missionary in Turkey who was arrested, gosh, a few years ago. Okay. And um, he was thrown in prison. It was a false allegation. He was just, mm-hmm. He's just a Christian missionary. He went to Ben Lippin High School. Oh, wow. So he graduated from there. Um, under Donald Trump's presidency, they negotiated his release. 
And whenever he was released, he came back and he said, they asked him what he had learned. And he said, I learned we are the American church is not prepared for what's coming. And that, that got my attention. And I think he's absolutely right. He said, I was broken. He said, he was in prison for two or three years. And he said in his first year, he is, I was completely broken. And, and he goes, but we're just not ready for what, what will be coming our way. And it's not that that's that the persecution is going to be like it is in Turkey, but I do think that it's, it's coming our way. And it's, 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 it's already, it costs you more now to sure. say you're a person of faith. And sure. Absolutely. Uh, we live in the buckle of the Bible belt. Um, and at one time it was completely and totally culturally, morally, societally acceptable to proclaim Christ from the rooftops. I mean, you, you just march through the streets and now um, pride of a different sort right. rules the day. Um, but I love the way you transitioned in the message from our, our music time, our worship time. You use that line from it is well with my soul Spafford's, you know, song where he talks about losing his family and no matter what it is well, and you use the line, whatever my lot you have taught me to say it is well with my soul talk to those listening right now, maybe driving into work or folding the laundry, whatever you're doing right now as you're listening to this. Talk to those about what that means, what the, what that carries with it. It is well with my soul, whatever my lot. Yeah, you know, there's, uh, you know, the book of Hebrews talks about being tossed to and fro. And then the, the one anchor that we have, the anchor that we can hold on to is is Jesus. And yeah, and I and that really is. There's a lot of that's becoming more and more true to me. Um, it, it, it just through personal experience, because the winds and the waves are, are blowing right now, and I can't. Uh, as a matter of fact, our associate pastor Matthew and I were talking yesterday. We had lunch together, and we were just talking about our age difference. <laughs> and uh, our age difference is, um, I think Matthew's 16, or maybe I'm older. Uh, six. I'm 16. <laughs> I'm 16 years older than Matthew. And I said, you know, in the big scheme of things, it's not that big of a gap. Right. I said, but when you look at our experiences and, and how quickly they have changed, uh, it is, it is radical. And so some of the things that we are, and I know that your listeners, of course, they're listening to you. So I know that they're, 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 they're experiencing the same thing I am. You can't believe where we are today. Yeah. And it's very easy to just go into complete discouragement. Um, a lot, some of the things that I see on commercials, Oh, yeah. I can't even fathom. I would have never fathomed we would be uh, where we are and just watching a commercial on television today. And those things are, they, they really are, they can very quickly cause you to wonder, what's the point? Um, we're defeated. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we, we've, lost, we've lost culture. We've lost influence with our children. You know, your kids go to school. They have, they're under the leadership of, uh, of uh, the school district more than you. And that's always been true. But, man, there's a whole different agenda that's out there today. Totally. And uh, so, I, so I'm, I'm, I think people are just looking for hope. They're just for anything to hang on to. And what I've discovered is that Jesus really is our hope. He is mm-hmm. the only answer that we've got. Yeah. And uh, now we've, you know, it's you being a former pastor, me being a pastor, we've always taught that. Yeah. But now we're living it. That's and right. Like, and you're finding out it's true. Uh, we have a hope in Jesus. And so regardless of what our lot is, if you read the Bible, the Bible tells us this stuff's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And the good news, though, is that the Bible lets us know there is, there is victory. 
God's coming back in. Jesus is going to come again. He's going to establish righteousness again. We just want to make sure that we're faithful to the end. And that's why I'm, I'm reading through the book of Ezekiel right now. I just got finished reading through Jeremiah, which are depressing <laughs> books. <laughs> yeah. But the goodness, they go through the incredible darkness, but they do give promises on the way. It's really interesting. I mean, they, they're talking about you're going to be besieged. There's going to be, uh, it's going to, there's going to be cannibalism. It's just horrible. Oh, yeah. But then they, they share the light. But God, God's faithful. God's going to come back. God's going to reestablish you, mm-hmm. and um, and I believe that. And that's uh, God's always been true through Scripture. And while I, there's times when I think, eh, well, He's not going to be this time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hanging on, saying, you know, He's always been true. I'm going to trust He's going to be true again, and, and He's going to bring us to victory. It's incredible. You know, yeah. in the darkest moment, the light shines through, and there is hope. And no matter what you're trying to accomplish, um, grasping at anything else ultimately, totally, utterly fails. It does. It's only the hope that Christ provides as himself that truly wins the day. You you drew a comparison with historical Christianity and the historicity of persecution. And most of us in our mind's eye, I had a little different idea. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe I need to, if you're driving, don't do this, but close your eyes and think about what, Christian persecution looks like. You mentioned um, the lions and the Romans and the Colosseum. My mind goes to the beaches of Egypt just a couple of years ago with those 22 Coptic Christians literally losing their heads. Um, and, and Christian persecution carries with it a lot. Maybe that, I don't know. Maybe that's a generational. I don't know. You were around back when the uh, Romans right. were, were right, yeah. doing that with the lions and the Colosseum. Um, what does... In your mind's eye, what does Christian persecution, persecution of Christians look like today here um, for the sake of the argument in South Carolina? Yeah, yeah, that, it's a good question. But I, I mean, I think we're already, we're already starting to experience it. Mm-hmm. I think one of the easy ones, kind of a generality, uh, but I think one of them is that, uh, you know, if you, if you stand for basic biblical family values, uh, and according to Scripture, that uh, you, you are out of favor. I, I don't think I'm. I'm I, I am wondering how long it's going to be until those things that are taught from the pulpit concerning what Scripture says are considered hate speech. Mm-hmm. Um, We're so, seeing that in other places. They, no, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, we you know, just across the border in Canada. That's you're, right. You're seeing that. Uh, so yeah. So that's that's one thing. I think the other thing is just even speaking out. Uh, you speak out about, I believe God created a man and a woman. Yeah. Uh, you talk about gender. It is, it is an uncomfortable conversation, <laughs> which is True. strange. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, people want to kind of shy away from that. And that's just going, that's just going to increase more and more. Um, so th- those are some of the things, some, some of the very basic that we would say logical conversations that you can have with people. And if you take a biblical perspective on it, uh, you can talk about, um, uh, the the issue of uh, of homosexuality mm-hmm. and say I mean I don't hate people right. that are homosexuals but that I believe that the Bible teaches against this you're gonna you're gonna face you're gonna face opposition we uh, the the school district uh, that is near where I live uh, they had on their school district website they promoted Pride Week yeah um, so those that that is in favor now a biblical view is out of favor even in the state, the state of South Carolina. 
And Christians, it's lose-lose for us, ultimately, in many of uh, these cases, whether it's homosexuality, gender, um, identity, and, and ultimately, I, you know, that's just a very interesting topic to talk about because people are so confused about their identity. And the, once again, the only true source of sanity, reason, is that our identity is wrapped up in who God is and Son Jesus Christ. As we, as we talk about that, if you say anything, well, you're a hateful bigot, right. but if you don't say anything, silence is violence. And so, you know, it's so many Christians, and we, we even see, see this in the political realm, um, self-censorship. Mm-hmm. I believe it's around 54% of those that voted in the last election in, in 2020 were afraid to speak about their political affiliation or who they'd even vote for because they were f- afraid of retribution, losing their job, right. societal shame, whether they were voting for President Trump or then Vice President Biden, they were afraid. And fear, as we'll talk about in just a second, is the most marketable emotion in the world. If you don't believe me, watch the Weather Channel during hurricane season. Yeah. They make a ton of money because people are afraid of a hurricane. It just it just makes sense. We just went through two years of fear being shoved down our throats. You listening to this, fear was shoved down your throat, and so many people are still afraid. We'll get to that in just a second. How does the church respond to this persecution? And I love the way you framed this. Choices must be made. We respond to this by making choices, and no better example for these choices exists than in Acts chapter 5 with the two preachers. Um, walk through the text maybe a little bit with us. Yeah. You, you Feel free to start preaching if you'd like. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Walk through the text for us just a little bit, and, and let's talk about some of those choices that were made um, by the two preachers there in Acts chapter 5. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's really interesting. It's. Um, uh, and I'm sure your your folks are familiar with the story. It's uh, Acts chapter five, and we went through verses 17 through 32. But just the the background of it is always amazing to me. That the um, this is just you know this is not long after Jesus had been put on the cross and. And the disciples had run away, and then, of course, what happened is they ended up seeing the resurrected Jesus, and it changed their lives, which is what happens. Uh, the resurrected Jesus will change your life, and they go out and they boldly, when they were in fear before, they go out and they start boldly proclaiming Jesus. And the, the Roman authorities, or excuse me, the, the Jewish authorities, the Sanhedrin, which is the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. uh, the Supreme Court of the people, they came together and said, you can't do this anymore. You have to quit speaking in the name of Jesus. And, and when I read that passage of Scripture months ago, I thought, oh, I can absolutely see yeah, this happening that's right. um, in, our, in our country. And, uh, and just their response was just really encouraging to me. Um, and they basically just said, hey, listen, you have the, you know, you can say what you're going to say, but I just want you to know this is what we are going to do. So this is the <laughs> apostles. I mean, it was Peter and John originally. Now it's all of them. And they all just band together and they say, yeah, we're, we're not going to do it. Um, we're, we're going to defy what you said. You're, you're stepping into territory that you don't belong. And so whatever you choose to do to, do to us, that's what you're going to do. Uh, but we're going to be obedient to God. And so the first response, as we kind of went through on um, Sunday, was that they chose, they, they said, we will be obedient to God even above our own safety. Mm-hmm. And this I'm, is I'm good. like, I mean, I hope that I would, that I will be, I think God's going to have to give, God's going to have to give me grace <laughs> to be able to do that. Right. Um, but they were willing, they were willing to lay it all on the line. And they just said, we will be obedient. And it, of course, to me, my favorite story in the Bible, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's the same, the same story there. Yeah. Bow down, uh, bow down to my authority is basically what it came down to. 
and three young men said, we will not. Yeah. And they were, they were very respectful, but they said no. But they were bold in their defiance. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think, once again, talking about fear in the last two years, I, we've even used this word that I'm about to say. It's the, I believe it's the dirtiest four-letter word in our culture right now. It's the word safe. Mm. Safe. In fact, ingrained in the vernacular of people in, in both salutations and, and goodbyes is stay safe. Be safe. It, it, go in safety. Go in. I don't. I don't know. But I'm sick of. Uh, I, I was joking with the lady a while back, and I said, "Live dangerously." Of course, then she took her son's dirt bike and broke her ankle on it. I was like, "Not that dangerously. <laughs> don't do that." But as Christians, you know, as all human beings, we tend to err on the side of safety, mm-hmm. security, provision, whatever that looks like. And in the midst of persecution, we still tend to do the same thing. Um, you know, the Bible teaches us to live at peace with all all people. You talked about that on Sunday a little bit. If possible. Yeah, if possible. Yeah. You know, go along to get along. Nonsense. Garbage. You know, uh, because ultimately what that is is the hypnosis of the culture saying, just, just do what we tell you to. Live in safety. Don't live in fear. Live in safety. Hey, let me ask you a question. Uh-oh. You know, since you're, sure. you're, you're a theologian. Uh, so, no. you, so if you talk about... Um, because that, that is, that's, it's, it's the, the byword. The big thing right now is we, we need to be safe. As Christians, we need to be winsome. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, my whole thing on all that is that that's, we're not to be jerks. Right. We're to be obedient. Right. That's what we're supposed to be. And, uh, and so is there, is there really safety without obedience to God? That was something that I would, if, if, you, if we are obedient to God, uh, if we aren't obedient to God, and I love your South Carolina word here, maybe Oklahoman, I don't know. If we aren't obedient to God, it ain't safe. That's right. I, I, duh. I mean, so why? Why now? What would you say? The I, same. The same. I mean, the same thing. I think so many people seek safety, and ultimately, what they're trying to do is provide a security, a false security, mm-hmm. uh, with their own two hands. And as long as I've created a stable foundation on which I can live, feel secure, firm footing, whatever that looks like, you know, for some it's, it's pleasure for some it's financial security for whatever the case is, as long as I've done it with my own two hands and everything's okay. Well, what happens when that fails? Right. And it will, it, will. it ultimately, you know, it over and over will fail. And as we led the only hope, the only security, the only Peace, the only safety is living dangerously inside the will of God. And I, I gave the illustration one time to a guy who was going over the mission field. He was going to a European country. It, it wasn't a place, ironically, now it'd be a, probably a place that he'd face some level of persecution. And uh, we were talking about living in what living in the will of God meant. And I said, you know, so many times we are so okay with being safe. When in all reality, God wants us to wrap our toes around the diving board. And, uh, you know, my mind's eye, I see my dad in that pool mm. as a kid. And he's saying, son, if you'll just jump in, if, if you'll just trust me, if you'll just take the leap, you know, logical, consistent, make sure it makes sense, leap, you know, then I will catch you and everything's going to be okay. But that requires a little bit of danger. A little bit of risk, and it certainly requires that we shun 
and put off fear. You know, courage is moving forward in the face of fear. Yeah. It's good. It's a great question. You mentioned a story about Niemöller. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you aren't familiar with Niemöller, he's one of the two most famous German pastors in the midst of World War II. Bonhoeffer, uh, if you if you want a good read, Eric Metaxas writes a lot about Bonhoeffer and his uh, biography about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. N- Martin Niemöller, um, ultimately the most persecuted pastor or the most notable persecuted pastor of Hitler in World War II. Tell us a little bit about Martin Niemöller. Yeah, he was actually he's a World War One hero and. Um, and Hitler wanted him on his side, and Niemöller actually supported Hitler at the beginning of the war, and then when he saw where Nazism was going, then he stood against him, and so Hitler had him arrested, and he spent eight years in prison and in concentration camps. And uh, and I just read the story about it, and so Hitler was still trying to persuade him to come to the other side, and it was he sent one of Niemöller's buddies to go visit him in prison, and he said, Martin, Martin, why are you here? And yeah. then Niemöller r- responded and said, why are you not here? Yeah. And uh, man, that was a convicting story um, you know, to, to read because I, th- I think that's uh, and I, that that's that's where I'm that's where I am right now when I look around and a, and a lot of the the, the Christian world, mm-hmm. I'm like, why are you over there trying to appease appease culture and, yeah. and basic beliefs? You need to be over here uh, where God's word is and and hanging on to it. Uh, but I, th- I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing many people because they want to be safe. You mentioned Romans 13. We talked about what defiance looks like. If you follow Romans 13, it God-given authority, all authorities from God. But there is a time to defy. Of course, in a winsome, courageous, measured, peaceable way. And I think there's a, a, there's a standard there to follow, and we see that throughout Scripture, whether it's uh, Nathan going to David, whether it's the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel right. in the face of uh, you know, the king, whatever the case, and there's several examples. Um, talk a little bit about what defiance, because I think as Christians, uh, as it's a bad word, as well, not only I would say it's a bad word in some ways, but for a lot of Christians, it's like, when do I get to defy? When, you know, like oh. children, children with <laughs> yeah. their parents, it's like Ephesians 6 1, children obey your parents, but when do I get to disobey? Is there ever a time? Is there an exception to this rule? And in this case, yes, there is an exception to this rule. What does that look like? Yeah, anytime that the, uh, the 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 government is telling us to do something that is outside of mm-hmm. God's word, and the example, of course, from our scripture today is they said it was the Supreme Court. I mean, it's, it's a religious nation. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, the Romans ruled it, but they gave authority to the religious leaders. They said, "You shall not speak in the name of Jesus." <laughs> well, that's that's not a time when you say, "Okay." You know, that's what you told us to do. We won't do it because of Romans 13. Yeah. Governing authority says don't do it. We won't do it. Right. No, no, that's when you, that's when you say, um, okay, you have authority. Your authority is to, to punish evildoers. Right. Uh, to protect those who are good. And uh, that, that's, that's where your authority lies. And I'm appreciative of the government. I mean, I've voted mm-hmm. in every election since I've been able to as, a, you know, as an 18-year-old kid. Um, but when they step in and they come out and they say, you cannot speak on this, uh, you can't speak about the name of Jesus. You cannot, if you speak on um, marriage from a biblical point of view, and that is hate speech. So then, what is my responsibility? Mm-hmm. Um, it's to it's to say, hey, you know, I appreciate your authority, but I serve an authority higher than you. Yeah, and it's God. Anytime the government forbids what God requires, 
requires what God forbids is the the rule. You know, so if there's an instance in your town, or we're not telling you to go with pitchforks to town hall or anything like that. But if God's word clearly says something, in this case, these two preachers are told, the apostles are told, don't preach. Don't say Jesus' name. Don't preach in his name. Don't do it from the Temple Mount. But the interesting thing in this story is when they defy their grant of freedom, the, there's this angel that comes. The angel releases them, looses them from prison, whatever that looks like. Where do they go? Right back to the temple, <laughs> and, they, and they preach. And that's because God told them to. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'd said Sunday, you know, if it's me, I'm getting out of Dodge because I don't want to go back to prison again. But they, they, they chose obedience over safety. That's it. Free to obedience. Free to be obedient, not to be safe. Yep. Free. As Americans, we're uniquely free and still are. Uh, more free than any other country in the world. Your freedom is not given to you to be safe. It's to be obedient to Christ. Another choice they make, fear God, not man. Reverence, respect. Well, how does that work itself out in the face of persecution? Uh, well, well, I would not know because I've not <laughs> lived under it. Um, but yeah, I just it, and I think really it comes down to an authority issue of, of who is the authority in your life. Um, you know, who do you follow? And that's that's something I'm I'm kind, yeah I am working on that. Uh, that I want my I really do I want my direction uh, to be dictated by what God says, not by what is culturally appropriate, uh, what is culturally accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, the, as a matter of fact, I can't remember what scripture it is right now, but it says, you know, you, you know who are you going to fear? Are you going to fear the one who can take your life or the one who can take your life and your soul? Right. Um, well, you know what? Um, if I believe in Jesus and the, and the, the eternity of a soul, the Lord has a whole lot more power than man. The worst thing man can do to us, I'm not rooting for it, but the worst thing he can do to us is he can take our life. Um, God can take your life and your soul. Hmm. In your eternity. So I, I fear God. Yeah, absolutely. You talked about one of my favorite things to do, and that's to people watch. Yeah. Um, I, I love this illustration. If you've been to an airport or the mall, um, a place where there's lots of people, uh, specifically in an airport, people are waiting on a flight. To, tell us a little bit more about that illustration and what that represents. I think it only it totally reaffirms what you just said. Yeah, I just it's uh, yeah, it's just interesting when you go to the airport, and I and I'm not a I, I don't enjoy travel a ton, but but typically when people are at the gate waiting to get on the plane, they're reading a book, they're watching TV, they're eating snacks, but you can always tell uh, who's on standby. Um, the people that don't have an, an assured ticket, right. you know, they're always checking with the desk every ten minutes. Hey, where where am I? Uh, you know, what's going on? When's the flight getting in? How much time do I have? You know, when are they going to start? You know, re- <laughs> releasing the seats. They're I mean, they are a wreck. And the, the difference between the two groups of people is one has a reserve ticket and the other one doesn't. And uh, and that that's what Christ offers. Christ offers that peace. Um, that regardless of what's going on, your your ticket is reserved. He has a place for his people. You know, Jesus gave us a, a promise in John 14, 1 through 3, let not your hearts be troubled, trust in God. Uh, when, you, when, you're, when your life is in his hands, you, your eternity is secure. We ought to be able to live in, in, in relaxation and, and rest. Sure. Uh, but if you're not sure, right, man, every little thing, I mean, you are constantly mm-hmm. doing whatever you can to protect yourself, protect your life, because you don't know what's next. Right. 
almost reckless abandon knowing that the outcome has already been determined. Right. My safety, my security, it's predetermined. It is, you know, because of my faith in the finished work of Christ. That's right. I, you know, I know where I'm going to go. And, and a lot of times we, um, we make the people of the Bible and even Christian history, even up until I, I think of uh, the five that went to the Aka Indians in South America, mm-hmm. Nate Jim Saint, Elliot. Jim Elliott, yeah. and all those uh, Udarian. That seems so far away yeah. for us, and and it really was. It was several thousand miles, and I don't think we have any naked Indians running around stabbing people in the chest. But in the face of persecution, he is no fool to give what he cannot keep, to gain that which he cannot lose. Mm. My security is firm. You know, what are you going to threaten me with? Eternity in heaven? Okay. And I I don't know that we're quite there yet here in South Carolina, but who knows? That day may come, and there are choices that have to be made. Uh, One choice, obedience over safety. Another, fear God, not man. And you mentioned one more choice. What was that choice? Yeah, don't alter God's word. Yeah. Uh, you stay true to the message, and that's what the guys did. You know, they didn't. They <laughs> didn't try to become more palatable to society. And uh, and it's. I mean, and believe me, as a there's some things I read in the Bible, I think, oh, I do not want to talk about this because it will tick some people off. Um, and so you try to figure out ways that you can, you know, kind of have a softer landing um, mm-hmm. on it. And, uh, man, these guys didn't. I love, you know, Peter, he's talking to him. He said, Jesus wasn't, you know, y'all didn't just, uh, you know, beat up Jesus. He, I mean, he told the guys right to their face. He said, you murdered Jesus. You did it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, then, and then he just went on to, to tell them to, the truth of Jesus. You know, Je- Jesus is the resurrected Savior. Uh, but they didn't alter the Word of God. They, they held fast to it. Um, there is power in the Word. Yeah. There is no doubt. When people say, hey, what makes a worship service powerful? They say it's not the lights, it's not the music, it is not, um, it's not a, a pastor's personality. Right. It is the living Word of God yeah. that makes a difference. And if you mess with the Word of God, then you get rid of the power. That's it. You, you, you made this statement, those that alter God's Word alter the power of it. And that, that, you know, so part of God's Word is not God's Word. You know, taking just part of it and saying, well, this right, is, right. and that's what so many do. And I'm not going to condemn any pastors per se. Well, there are pastors that do that. There are politicians that do that. Right. We were we were watching a video of a politician just the other day in our office. Imagine us doing that. And he quoted a Bible verse, mm-hmm. but he left out the most important part of the Bible verse. You know, it, it, he was talking about the redemptive nature of the gospel, but then he left out the part that was redemptive. His name is Jesus, and he gives this verse, but then he doesn't quote the name Jesus. And you're just kind of scratching your head thinking, how in the world does that quotation, which is unfinished, possess any power whatsoever? Mm-hmm. The Bible isn't a prop either. It's not a political tool to be wielded at one's will to accomplish a goal that is ultimately counter to the truth. Right. You talked about the truth and, of course, we talk about the truth being married to love, grace and truth together. So whether I know it or not, tell those listening, what is the truth? What are ultimately the church and the responsibility of the church to tell the truth? What is the truth? You know, that was a question that Pilate asked yeah. Jesus. Uh, what is the truth? And, and, and the truth is standing right before him. Yeah. It's, the truth is Jesus. It mm-hmm. is Jesus Christ, uh, you know, uh, uh, crucified 
buried yeah. and resurrected. It is that's who, that's the truth. It is Jesus and Him and Him alone. And if we ever say that, and you talked about the full word of God, mm-hmm. the big thing right is God is love, no doubt about it. Yeah. First John four, God is love. But he's also <laughs> just. Yes, you know He's just. Yes, and that that is a part of being loving, and um, uh, so that is the full truth. We want half of the we want half of the gospel. We want half of the, you know, half half of the Bible. If that, uh, you, it's the whole thing. And I, there's some things in the Bible I don't understand. There's some things mm-hmm. in the Bible that, you know, just in my nature, I don't agree with. Sure. But you know what? It is God's word. And yeah. I, who am I? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just a, another, I'm just another guy that has been created by God. Who am I to argue with God? That's right. And so I'll just say, Lord, I'm doing it. I'm, I, I want to submit to you. Yeah. It's your word, your word's truth. Your word is life. And that's that is that's the hope. We better hang. We better hang with God's word. We get off of it, we're going to get run over. Like I'm telling you, all these people that are compromising, uh, when you compromise God's word, it's not going to put you in a better place. You're going to get steamrolled. Yeah, absolutely. We don't know when the mind's eye of persecution will come, if it ever comes here in South Carolina. But what is happening is there is persecution in society right now against what people say, what they do. It's happened in places like Texas. It's going. We had we had an example here in South Carolina during the pandemic of a of a city, a small municipality that tried to shut churches right. down. And over and over again, as you've heard me say on this podcast or in a public event, don't bring California to my Carolina. But in this case. In the face of persecution, what are we to do as the church? As Pastor Eric said, we are to choose obedience over safety. We are to choose to fear God and not men. And we are to choose not to alter the word of God, God's message. Pastor, thank you so much for coming on Palmetto Family Matters podcast. Well, Mitch, thank you. Thank you for letting me come. And more than anything, I, I, mean, I appreciate your your ministry and your work here at Palmetto Family. So I'm, I'm thankful for you guys. I get your uh, I get your updates on your app. So if you don't have that app, hope you all get that. Um, I actually, Good plug. I actually pay attention to it. Awesome. Yeah, that's right. Download the Palmetto Family Council app wherever you get your apps. Um, Google, Apple, Roku. Um, we're on Spotify or podcasts on Spotify. We're Amazon TV where you can watch all of our docu-series, including some of our podcasts that are video. If you want to hear Pastor Eric Estep's message in full, you can go to blythewoodvillage.com where their sermons are archived. You can go on Facebook, YouTube, any other social media where the church is, uh, Village Blythewood, and you can learn more about Village Church. If you need a church home and are in the Blythewood, Columbia, Midlands area, uh, not just because it's a great church. I go there. I, I, we, we love Blythewood Village Church, and I'm so grateful for you, Pastor, and uh, what you're standing for standing for the truth and preaching god's word proclaiming it in a way that's not only succinct and and easy to understand but bold in its proclamation as well Well, thank Thank you you, i appreciate it thanks for listening to the palmetto family matters podcast until next time for our staff and our team at palmetto family council mitch prosser have a great day